Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. What wonderful, great love. What love. Aren't you glad we experience that kind of love? Not just talk about it and hear it sung about. But Well, let's, um, let's see what that love will spare us from in the last day. We're going to speak tonight on the white throne judgment. I think it'll make you appreciate this degree of love that we just heard about a little bit more. He don't just save us now. He's fixing to save us from a whole lot right out here at the end. Amen. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. <clears throat> now, I know you're probably sad that we had to close the millennium part. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, how do we go out of the millennium into the white throne? Well, we have to go that way because that's the way God goes. Because God can't jump from seven to eight until the sin question is eradicated forever. So we have to go from the millennium, then we have to go into our general resurrection, and then we have to go into the white throne judgment. And then, you imagine John as he stands there and he sees what we're fixing to read about, and he sees death and hell, Hades, Sheol, separation of the body and soul, sees the resurrection of Matthew 5 or John 5 as they come together, the voice of the Son of God, the resurrection of life, the resurrection of damnation. And then he breaks from there, and then he looks up in Revelation chapter 21, verse 1, and he said, and I saw a new heaven. He goes straight from the lake of fire to a new heaven. Sounds like us in our rapture. We go straight from this hell out here into our body change. Let's read together. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Now tell me how you're going to stand, how I'm going to stand before a being like that, unless we've got some representation of innocence. And it ain't going to be our own. Now you imagine in this setting, you know who this is, this is the Lord Jesus. And this is such a traumatic, severe thing that is happening, that something actually moves upon the heavens and the earth. John said, whose face, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. So there was something actually happening on the earth and in the heavens. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. And the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the, judge, the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books. And listen on what basis, according 
to their works. Oh, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. That won't hold much water if you have to meet him there. But according to the works. Notice the expanse now of the resurrection. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. This has never happened before. All the dead that were not raised in the first resurrection are now being called by the voice of the judge. Death and hell were delivered up, notice, and the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. Goodness. I don't want to be there. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, just reading these scriptures creates such a solemn atmosphere in this place tonight. Dear God, I pray that you would help each of us. If there's any settling that needs to be done to keep us out of that place, we take care of it now, Father. I ask you, Lord, that you'd take your word. May we be benefited by hearing what's going to transpire. For myself and for many of these others and those that will hear it, we have already been called to a higher place. We have passed from death unto life. And we will not come into the condemnation or the judgment. But if there's some here tonight who haven't, Lord, or some who would hear this service, may they be able to find peace. May they be able to meet you, not as a judge, but as a friend, as one who will plead their case. Granted, Father, speak to us from your word. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Amen. God bless you, saints. You may be seated. I realize that this is not um, something that we probably enjoy hearing talked about. It's not really one of my favorite subjects to preach about. Yet, it's something that lays in the future. And it's something that God wanted recorded in His Word. Something that lays before all of humanity, which have not or will not accepted the full atonement of what God has done. Now, in the white throne, as we've looked at it already, those who are partakers of the first resurrection, which is the resurrection of the bride life, they do not stand before the white throne. Now, in in reading in the Scripture, you have to be so careful because Paul says that we must all appear before the judgment seat 
of Christ. But that is not the white throne. There is a great difference. Even the bride, every person here tonight, if you're bride, I believe I am. Most of you I trust believe you are. But I must stand before him. But it will not be in this white throne. Now, I don't know if you've noticed it before or not, but in reading in the Scripture, the different captions of the appearance of the throne of God, that it changes according to the meat, the demand, and the requirement of where the throne is appearing. Now, in this situation, it is the demand, the requirement, is not for the throne that appeared in Revelation 4. It is not for the throne by which the bride will walk up, the one that Brother Branham saw in the dream, or the one that Daniel saw, but it will be those that are going to be given account for what they've done with what God gave them. This is called the judgment seat, but it's not the judgment bar, which is Revelation 20. Now, let's, let's contrast these thrones so you can kind of see the direction that I want to go. Watch what John saw. Let's read it again in Revelation 20, 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no more place for them. But notice in Revelation 4, 1, after this I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven. Now, this is the time of the rapture. This is when John in type is called up after the church ages are over and he's typing the bride. So watch how that the throne actually appears different. It would not be suitable for the rapture for it to be the white throne of Revelation 20, 11. But the throne that the bride needs to see is the throne of Revelation 4. Now listen, after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was as a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show these things which must be hereafter. And immediately... I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now notice the difference of the throne. There was one on the throne, which there always is, but the significance was it was not, the adjective was not used to say great, nor the adjective to you to be used to describe white. But notice what is used to describe it. But he goes straight to the person on the throne, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now watch the appearance of him that is on the throne. So immediately when John in type of the rapture is caught up into the heavenly paradise, and he sees the throne, and he sees the appearance of the Lord Jesus. But he sees him 
as birthstone to birthstone. He sees him as alpha to omega, beginning and the end, the first and the last. So he's not appearing now in the way that John saw him in Revelation 20:11 as the invincible, almighty, immortal, pure son of God that is fixing to judge the dead. But notice he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. Now remember these are the colors or the birthstones of the sons of Israel. So it is the first one and the last one. What is he doing? He is identifying himself with the resurrected and changed bride as she is coming into his presence in this form of the rapture. Now notice also around this throne was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Whenever John sees him on the throne in Revelation 20, there was no jasper stone, there was no emerald, there was no sardine, he was not alpha, omega, the beginning, the end, he's the only potentate, the almighty judge. But here, he's letting himself be known to his sweetheart, which has now been resurrected and raptured, and the identified form that she has been taught to him as she has lived on the earth. What do you say to him? You're my alpha. You're my omega. You're the beginning. You're the end. You're the first, the last. I don't call him my judge. I don't call him sitting there with angry eyes. God, I, I'm not going to meet him like that. This right here is the way that I'm going to meet him. So he is dressed in the splendor of his glory in that which matches the occasion. As you and I would do likewise. Now, if your daughter or your son was graduating from high school and some are doing so in the next few weeks here at the church and you'll be having graduating things for them and some of the ceremonies going on on Saturday night and, and a lot of them, you know, they'll be dressed up in a certain dress or a certain suit and they'll have on a gown and a cap and all that sort of thing because and they are dressing according to the occasion. Now, that would not be very alarming to see a graduate walk across the platform and they would have a tassel hanging down from their cap and they would have on a gown that was blue or burgundy or red according to their school colors. But it would look very, very odd if they wore that to church in the morning. We'd think, well, they must have been up all night and didn't have time to go change clothes and we might make allowance for them one Sunday, but if they come back Wednesday night and then next Saturday night and then next Sunday morning, we're going to figure something's bad wrong. They've not had enough attention in life for something, you know, because they're really trying to get it. Because, now that would be perfectly normal in the right setting. You follow my thought? But yet to wear it to church, to wear it to Walmart, uh, to wear it to play ball over to pavilion, something like that. You say something, something wrong because they're not dressed for the occasion. 
So the Lord Jesus, even in his throne, now remember the bride is going to approach this throne in the time of the rapture. Right, right time of the rapture, marriage, supper, going into the millennium. I'm not sure what increment of time, but we know that according to what John saw, the thrones that were set in the dispensation was already meet out and the bride's reward was given to her pre-millennium. So sometime after the rapture, during the break of the rapture, between that and the marriage supper, or between the marriage supper and the millennium, we will actually walk before him, and we will give an account for what we've done. But yet, notice then, whenever we go on and look at this, Brother Ram said, Christ was seen in Revelation 1, sitting on a throne and a rainbow over him. There are seven perfect colors representing the seven church ages. So here he is in the rapture form by which the bride is called up to see him. And she, as soon as she looks at him, she will know the representation of why he is dressed this way. Because he is wearing where she came out of. So him and her are dressed similar. Praise God. She came out of the church ages. Think of it. That'll be the elect of all the church ages. And there he will have the identification of the church ages over his throne and the seven colored rainbow covenant. So look, but why is that, that rainbow not around the white throne? Because it is not signifying church ages. It is not signifying a covenant. It is not signifying mercy. It is not signifying grace. Think, friend, there there's never been a court like this ever before, nor will there ever be. There is a judge, but there is no jury. There is, oh my, witnesses that will be against the people, but there will be absolutely no attorney to represent one person who will stand there. All the evidence will be against them, oh my, because there's nothing they can plead, even though many of these people now that believe they were under the blood, but now when it comes right down to it, it will be their works that determines whether they go into eternal life or they are cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. So there is no emerald color. There is no sardon color. There is no amethyst. There is nothing like that at all. It is only the pure, pure color of white, which is the justice and the judgment of God, which was met on the person sitting on the throne. Now remember, in the white throne judgment, it is the same person as Revelation 4 that we've read now. But he's displaying himself in a different office. In this setting here, it is the Lord Jesus now, and his bride is coming up one by one by one. They will come, and they will be rewarded according to their works. Notice, Brother Ram goes on to say, he was to look upon as a jasper and a sardis stone, which was Reuben and Benjamin, the first and the last he that was, which is, and shall come the root and offspring of David, the morning star, how marvelous. And with a covenant to his churches, seven golden candlesticks behind him, each candlestick representing the church age. So the bride then is raptured up into glory when she walks into the throne room, it is not a white throne. It is not one that is to look upon with his eyes as burning pillars of fire and this austere look upon his face. It is her lover. It is her Lord. It is her Messiah. 
It is the captain of her salvation. It is her redeemer. It is her Emmanuel. But notice he cannot appear in such a form and in such clothing, dressed in such manner for the great white throne. Because when he appears there, now notice, even for those who go in, as we looked at last Sunday, that will be granted eternal life, because of their treatment of the brethren, they are not going in because mercy is at the white throne judgment. They are not going in because he looks and says, I will give you mercy. He will let them go in because of what is written in the books. It is simply the recording angel and what Malachi calls the book of remembrance and what they've done and how they've treated people and how they've related to people. And remember, Brother Bram tells us my attitude toward you is my attitude toward Christ. I think we better look at that real careful. Now, notice then, whatever is written in those books will be the outcome of the white throne judgment. Everybody stands on one level plane when it comes to the white throne. First of all, they have one thing in common, that is that the dead, both small and great. Maybe for the first time in their life, they stand on an equal plane. There will be presidents, there will be dictators, there will be governors, there will be kings, there will be princes, princesses, there will be dukes, there will be all kinds of people that have stood down through time. Pharaohs will stand there. All type of people, and there will be the beggar, there will be the the, the folks that live down on the back alley, and this and that and the other. But they have one thing in common, and that is the dead, both small and great, stand before God. And when they stand there, they will not be able to plead, Dear God, have mercy on me. There is no mercy there. There is no attorney to plead, to go in and say, Father, they stood for me on the earth. Will you let me stand for them now? There is no such a thing. Notice again in Revelation 4, 4. Let's get this setting before we go to the white throne. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. Now notice this setting, how it differs from the white throne judgment. Round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Notice this is now the rewarding time. So we have twelve from the Old Testament, twelve from the New. And we have this as they've now come up before the Son of God and He is now giving them their position. We're fixing to head into the millennium. Now remember this. We're fixing to go into the millennium when they're going to rule upon the earth and they are setting there the 24 elders and they wear upon their heads crowns of gold which signifies to us they are overcomers. They have not stood there and going to be judged by their works and their eternal life being determined by whether or not they go in based upon that. But they have eternal life already in their possession. But they will walk up before the Son of God and then they will be given reward according to the dispensation that God has given to them. Paul said, if I don't preach the gospel willingly, there is a dispensation of the gospel that is committed unto me. But if I do preach it willingly and I do it faithful, then there is a reward. And we know as in heaven, so as in hell, that there will be rewards according to the degree 
of obedience to the word. We never have been the same and we never will be the same over yonder, nor will we be the same in the new earth. Now, I know a lot of folks don't like that, but that's just the way it is. Now, notice in verse 5, And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thunderings and voices, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne. See, still the representation of the church ages, which are the seven spirits of God. But none of this is mentioned now at the white throne. There is no menorah. There is no representation of the seven spirits of God or the seven dispensations of the Spirit of God down through the church ages. There's nothing there at all that represents blood. There's nothing that represents the mercy seat. There's nothing that represents atonement, redemption, no Yom Kippur. There's nothing there at all that represents any such thing. Oh God, don't ever let me go there. In verse 6, before the throne there was a sea of glass like unto crystal. And in the midst of the throne and round about the throne were four beasts full of eyes before and behind. So there again we have the representations of the four dispensations, the martyrs and of course the different ones of God dealing with the church. But when we move over now to the white throne, even though John, we won't go into the depth of it, but this what John sees in Revelation 4 is a great joyous occasion. It is a great time before the throne of God because it is a time when those whose names was written on the Lamb's book of life from the foundation of the world, they're walking into their stage of redemption and the final climax of the body change. But Revelation 20 what we find is that they are called out of the different places by which death has held them captive. Now remember, death is personified in the book of Revelation as a person, and so is hell. Peculiar, but yet it's the way the prophets would write it many times. So John identified it that it was death and hell. Whenever we look at the writer, as John saw it there in the seals, and he saw that this, this writer come through, he looked, he said, death went through and hell followed him as if hell was an escort. Well, in the way that God set it up, we know that hell was not a part of the original creation. We know that Hades, which is Sheol, the grave, of course, where people go. And then the other word that the Lord Jesus used in the New Testament, the, the Greek word Aramaic was Gehenna. Gehenna was a place of fire, which was the Valley of Hinnom. It was a place that they would burn their garbage right outside of Jerusalem. They would also burn the bodies and the carcasses of dead animals. So whenever Jesus used this word Gehenna, he was bringing it from something that the local people would have been very, very familiar with. So it had been like saying, well, you go over to the landfill and they, you know, he said, okay, well, I know where that landfill is. Well, Carter County or Johnson said, yeah, ain't that up across from Brother Daniel Ball's place? Yeah, it's up, okay, well, I know where that's at. But there, they did not have a landfill, so they would have a place where they would burn it. So when Jesus would refer to this everlasting fire, he would use the word Gehenna. So when he would say Gehenna, the people would say, oh my, you mean that, that's what hell is? So it is like this pit, which is what Gehenna was. It is a pit where you throw stuff and it was constantly burning. So they would take whatever trash and garbage that they would have. And if a cow died or a dog or a, a, some sort of animal, they would take that animal there and they would throw it in on the fire. So Jesus uses this as a representation of the lake of fire. 
Now, of course, he used the word brimstone, even though our modern day is sulfur. And sulfur is a rock which can be burnt, actually a rock which catches on fire, which is where the word comes from. And Jesus uses this in a likening, similar uh, comparison to be able to relate the destiny of those who turn down the mercy of God. Now, as wonderful and precious as John 3.16 is, too many people never read beyond verse 16 and get on down to those few verses thereafter. Oh my, that's the verses that's going to condemn them. Now, notice, let's move now from the throne in Revelation 4 back to this one in Revelation 20, 11. Now, notice the difference. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. So now we're entering into a dispensational change. Now, I'm not sure if you know it or not, but actually the white throne judgment will be upon the earth. The first one was on the earth and the last one will be upon the earth. But something has now happened to the earth as we go into this. The millennium has now ended, of course, in this span of time. And now we're entering into pre-eighth day condition and the heaven and the earth fled away before his face. So the face has, oh God, the face has changed from the face that we saw in Revelation 4. Now, if, if his face would cause the heavens and the earth to fly, fly away, they would just so be changed by the terror, by the indignation, by the wrath upon his... Can you imagine the expression of the Almighty God that the heavens and the earth seeing this on his face? And it was so moving that a portion of the earth fled away. The heavens fled away. Was it the atmosphere around it? Who knows? But there was something so noticeable and that it so changed that John in the vision sees that something happens to the heavens and the earth. And whatever it was that fled from that that John saw, their place was found no more. Which tells us that we're going into a new change. Glory. We're heading into a new time and that old has passed away as an old garment. Right. Now watch, it is called by the Lord Jesus the day of judgment. Now I understand that many folks don't like to preach it. We don't have really many hell, fire, and brimstone preachers left. Don't really have many in the message, I guess. How long has it been since you even heard anybody talk about it? Well, we're going to talk about it tonight. But it was the very heart of God, the very heart of God, that is going to say the things that I'm going to read to you here. I want you to keep it in mind now. It's not some hellfire and brimstone preacher. It's not some preacher that's trying to scare you to death and get you to an altar. But it is the very fulfillment of John 3.16 himself. So if he said that, and he's the one who gave us John 3.16. So if he said John 3.16, and then he also said these things as well, we might ought to listen to them too. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now it's talking about people who, people, preachers going to preach and they refuse you, then shake the dust off your feet against them and then it'll be more tolerable for Sodom than it would be for them. In the day of judgment. Again, Matthew eleven twenty two, I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon. 
at the day of judgment than for you. Now look here, we see a degree in judgment. Can you imagine that Sodom, it would be more tolerable for Sodom than it would be for people who turn down Holy Ghost sent, Holy Ghost filled preachers? Then what about this move and the message that's trying to shut every one of them up? It'll be more tolerable for perverts and homosexuals out of Sodom and Gomorrah than this anti-Christ, anti-preacher move around this message. Well, I'll hear from that, but that's quite all right. I'll stand behind it because these are the words of the Lord Jesus, not mine. Notice, and thou Capernaum, which art exalted into heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which had been done in thee, had it been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and the day of judgment than for Zee. Now remember the Lord Jesus had been to Chorazim. He had also been to Tyre and Sidon. He had been to Capernaum or Capernaum, whichever way you wish to pronounce it. He had been to all these and he's now pronouncing the judgment upon these cities and he's telling them it will be more tolerable for the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember why these cities were destroyed. Men were laying with men, women with women. And yet, because they had turned down the present day truth, which was a greater representation of the kingdom of God, he said it will be more tolerable for them than it will for you. Oh my. Notice again in Mark 6, 11, Whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear you, when ye depart this, now this is talking about preachers that are sent to preach, not play tapes. Shake off the dust from under your feet for a testimony against them. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Argue with it if you want to, try to explain it away, but it's still what Jesus himself said. Notice 2 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day. Notice these words now that I'm using over and over again. The day of judgment. Did Jesus believe there would be a day of judgment? Did the apostles believe there would be a day of judgment? How can we be Christians in the Laodicean age and soft soap it and think God's going to save everybody against their will? That's lies and false doctrine. That's right. Second Peter 3, 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. First John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness. Now listen to the difference now. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we. In this world. Oh my, what is the difference? That's the difference right there. That's what makes it different for you. You will not, if you're a bride, you will not even stand in the white throne on that side of the throne anyway. But you will be there with him in the throne. And what will move upon us, it will give us boldness if necessary. We will witness against those that we are called to witness against. How can we have such boldness? Because as he is, so are we in this present world. 
Why? We've already entered into a portion of our heavenly inheritance when we receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Praise God. Jude 1 and 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now, as I said, opening this up, that it might seem quite strange and odd to us that we would go from the millennium before going into the eighth day. Why not just jump all this, Brother Donnie, and bypass it? Well, it's absolutely necessary. Before God, notice Jude says, even the angels are kept that fell from their first estate, but they are kept and they're reserved in everlasting chains under darkness. Now, this is the realm of demons, of course, and they're kept under chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. But before God can usher in the new heaven and the new earth, sin must be dealt with in the final way. Sin will receive its final blow. So the white throne judgment will be the ending of all time. But it also will be the blending of eternity and it will be the ending of sin. Sin will be dealt with once and forever. Praise God. Notice then, so there's a judge but no jury. There is a prosecution but no defense. There's books there, but you will have nothing to say in the sense of your defense. Well, I, I, I plead the blood. I, I plead mercy. I, 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 I believed and I, I went to church and I don't know that there'll be none of that that will even be accepted. No one will be able to defend himself. Oh, Lord, children. You imagine the sea of faces that will appear, that will be raised. Now remember, the scripture tells us the rest of the dead live not till the thousand years were finished. And after that, then of course they're raised. And then John goes on to say, blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. For on such the second death hath no power. Now the first death is simply this. The first death is dividing or separating the soul and the spirit from the body. Now, whenever you die, your spirit breaks up when you die. Imagination, conscience, memory, reason, and affection. Your spirit breaks up when you die. So at the departure, at the very moment of death, then whenever the spirit is released, remember animals have spirits according to Ecclesiastes. Animals have spirits, so they have, that's why there'll be a different makeup from one dog to another, another horse to another. But whenever a human now leaves and the spirit comes out, the soul comes out of the body, the spirit breaks up, breaks down, but the soul goes into another place. And that is a a keeping place according to the choices, of course, made in life. But now think, so death, what does death do? Death separates the soul from the body. So the body then is rolled up, put in a casket or cremated, whatever it is, and then the soul goes into either the sixth dimension or the fifth dimension, the regions of the lost, and there it is kept. Now if it's a child of God, has a theophany waiting, the soul merges into that word form body, crosses the river, and merges into that, there with the saints of God. Y'all with me so far? Now, but those who are, are, are not bride, those who aren't elect, and do not have a theophany, then God created a realm, a dimension where they must be kept, knowing that they would need to be. And remember also that he created hell. 
hell is not eternal, but hell was actually created. And it comes from the part of God's being which fulfills a purpose in time. You see, everything that goes out of his thoughts and the attributes of his thinking are not from that eternal resource, but they are simply in time. They're necessary in time. They suit a purpose in time. And then when they've suited that purpose, they will cease to exist. So if you'll see John, whenever John looks at it, it must have been very peculiar for him because he says death and hell were cast into the lake of fire or the abyss of fire and this is the second death. Now the first death separates the soul from the body and places them in separate realms. Well the body decays of course, goes back to the dust of the earth, lays there long enough, it goes back to acids and gases and so on. But then what happens in the resurrection of what Jesus said that the Son of God, marvel not at this for all that are in the graves you hear the voice of the Son of God some are raised to the resurrection of life some to the resurrection of damnation he called it so those that will come out it will actually be the merging back together now of their soul going back into their body they will then be judged as they stand before him if they go of course into this lake of fire he will say depart from me you workers of iniquity and they will go into the lake of fire this is the second death But the first phase of death is destroyed in that it will no longer be soul and body separate. But in the lake of fire, it will be soul and body together. This is why death, the first death, was cast into the second death. So death and hell. The thing that separated the soul from the body and the prison house which kept the unregenerate dead. You follow me? They will all be cast into the lake of fire, and this is the second death. Then blessed and holy is he that hath part. In the first resurrection on such a second death hath no power. So whenever, but when the bride now enters in by the baptism of the Holy Ghost into the token life, she's already started her journey back into the realm of the eternal, and her soul is already in the eighth day. That's right. That's why he could say you wasn't saved on any certain day, but you always was saved. Now, in your mind, you might remember the day you went to the altar, the day they beat you on the back and this and that and the other. But that's only you remembering that. God don't ever remember you being anything else but his. That's all there is to it. But yet we've already started. So part of us has already merged back into the eternal. But nevertheless, when death strikes us as Christians, what does it do? A very similar thing that happens to a sinner. Then death will strike a Christian. It separates the soul from the body. Spirit breaks up when we die. Then the soul goes into the theophany, moves into that blessed realm and the sixth dimension. And there we wait for the resurrection. And then we do what? We wait for the new body, which will take place at the first resurrection. Then what will the first resurrection do it will do to us what the second resurrection does to those who will be judged the first resurrection brings our soul oh glory and our body back together never to be separated again praise be to God So the second resurrection does what to those standing at the white throne? It will bring their soul back into their body. And the prophet tells us that they will be judged in the same body that they sinned in. So there will be Pharaoh and he will stand there before Moses and he will look just like he did whenever he was stood. Moses, when he persecuted the children of Israel, right? 
He will stand right there mine. It will be an absolute reoccurrence again. And what will it do? Then the death which separated their soul from their body and the hell which kept their soul will be thrown into the lake of fire. No more need. It will be thrown into the lake of fire. And then the lake of fire is the second death. Oh my goodness. Oh my. I'm glad I ain't going to be there. Bear with me just a little bit, can we? Imagine all the lost of the ages. Billions of people that will stand before God. Now, we know that in every age, I read a book many, many years ago. It was, uh, oh my, it must have been right after I first come here, probably 25, 27 years ago. And it was entitled, Where Was God When Pagan Religion Began? And this author did quite a, a very good study and they, they went back and went back to when Buddha was actually come into view and when Shintoism and Taoism and all these different isms and, and things that happened on the earth and they were showing that Ezekiel was here during the time of this false prophet and Jeremiah was here during the time of this one. They were showing that there was a representation of the light of God in every age. But yet we know in many times when that light of God was on the earth, it covered such a small area that no doubt many of them died without ever hearing the truth. And many of those, I'm sure, will be able to be raised up in the millennium and then there they will be able to have their opportunity. But you were dealing with the dead which were not raised in the first resurrection. Now remember, they get no second chance. The dead that died and under rejection of the word of God will not be raised and given a second chance in the millennium. Right? No. They've done turned it down. Judas will not be there. Pilate will not be there. Caiaphas will not be there. Absolutely not. They have turned it down already. And the rest of the dead live not till the thousand years are finished. Now we're talking about the gathering of the billions of people that have died down through the ages and turned down God's truth in whatever form that it was revealed in. Oh, my friend, can you imagine the sea of humanity that will stand before God and the books are open and another book was opened, which was the book of life, and the dead will be judged out of those things which are written in the books. Notice we're not even pointing now to the atonement on the cross. We're not pointing to any church membership. We're not pointing to pushing play. We're not pointing, well, I went to this certain message church. Nope. We're talking about things that they actually did. Oh, I believe this and I believe that. That's not even pointed to that. I believe every word the prophet said. Well, the prophet said about that. You say, Brother Branham, I believe every word you said. He said, that's just been able to read. That don't give you the Holy Ghost. Oh, I know some of these blasphemers are saying that the tapes are the token. Oh yeah, that's what they're saying. I read a testimony today from the website and headquarters where the, where the woman was saying that the tapes was the Holy Ghost. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Whenever they pierced the body of the Lord Jesus, tapes didn't come out of the body. It was water, blood, and spirit. Tapes won't put you back in. Attending Happy Valley won't put you back in. If you're going to get back in, you got to get back in by the same three elements that come out of his body. Oh, my. Lord Jesus, help us. 
Notice when John looks, I saw a great white throne and him, not them, him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. Only one throne and one judge. St. John 5.22, listen who the judge is. For the Father judges no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Now remember, Father, God, the great Spirit, God, is now doing the incarnate work inside the sonship. But the Son came on the earth and lived as a mortal. He suffered as a mortal. They have turned Him down. Come on, saints. They have turned Him down and He is now sitting there as the Almighty God. Now remember, let's straighten this, make sure you understand this before we go any farther. Don't confuse this part with the believers being judged and rewarded. Oh, Brother Donnie, I don't, I don't want to stand there that day. Well, you're going to have to. All of us are going to have to stand before him. Notice Malachi 3.16, Then they that feared the Lord spake often. I love this scripture. I absolutely love this scripture. Then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it. Hey, you want to get God's attention? Go to talking about it. Talk about money all you want to. You don't get God's attention. Price of oil, price of platinum, price of gold, price of silver, Betty Crocker cookbooks, coconut cakes, sisters, a new brand of chili. None of that enters God. But you go to talking about God and His Word, that gets His attention. And the Lord hearkened and heard. And a book of remembrance, remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. Can you imagine? So when you and I talk about the mercy of God, look friend, we have to talk about troubles and we have to talk about difficulty and things in our family and problems and issues and so on. I'm totally convinced most of us spend way too much time on a lot of that stuff which we cannot even change anyhow. And we are robbed by the devil because he don't want us to, to do such. And we're robbed of even fulfilling certain things like this in our heart. This is one of the reasons we're brought on the earth is to talk about him, to think about him, to love him, to express. But Brother Donnie, even in the time of trouble, especially in the time of trouble. Notice Matthew 16, 27. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to to his works. Now notice your reward is not the same allotment of grace that each of us give by the atonement that was paid at Calvary. Your reward is not based upon, well, Brother Terry, how much grace did you get? Well, you got the same measure I got. Well, Brother Tim, these sisters and this brother and these young people, grace, grace, grace. So if God's going to reward us by grace, then it'll be every one of us will have exactly the same thing. We'll all look alike, be in the same position in the new earth. But that's not the way God's going to reward us. He will reward us according to our works. Now, these are not works. Well, I'm going to work for God. I'm going to work. Boy, I'm going to do this so I can have more in heaven. I'm going to that you don't even understand it's doing what God has called us to do with all of our heart 
in the avenue of strength that he gives us. Some of you sister, well, Brother Don, I've never preached. I can't carry a tune in a large bucket. All I've ever done has been a good mama, and I've tried to, you know, tried to take care of my kids and love my husband, do this and that and the other. Look, sister, if that's all God's placed in your hand to be a godly little mama, then you obey that. Your reward will be greater than some men's. Well, praise the Lord. You understand some of you sisters, you think you ain't never done nothing, but yet God has chosen you as the one by which the outward appearance would be most visible and the form of Christianity is identified more quicker in women than it is the men. I mean, just unless you run into some of these weirdos out here today. For the most part, when you look at men, they got on jeans and a shirt and, you know, whatever more. But you look at the women and you say, well, you go to skirt church, don't you? You go up there where they preach against women wearing breeches. Well, it's identification. And you bow that reproach to sisters because you're, you do. Your reward, the prophet tells us, your reward will be greater in heaven than the man's. Why? Because you're doing that. Oh, well, I don't want to bear reproach so I can have a great reward. You're not doing it for that reason. You're doing it because God wants you to do it. And God gives you the strength to bear the reproach. Notice again, here he says, For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father and with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. Romans 14, 10. But why dost thou judge thy brother? Why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We shall all stand before the judgment seat. But this is not the great white throne. Oh, you're scaring me, brother. Don't, Don't be scared. No, you have nothing to be afraid of. If you're in Christ Jesus, he's took your judgment. You have nothing to be afraid of. Praise God. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. And I say amen to that. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to the earth done good, or whether it be good or bad. But notice now, for those who are going to stand before the white throne, it is because of things written absolutely in the book. We're not just giving them according to reward. This is based upon whether or not they go in. You're going in if your bride, even if you lose a great portion of your reward. Uh Uh-oh, I figured that'd throw some of you for a loop. God separates his seed from their reward. Oh my, that stumbles some of you. <laughs> Notice in Matthew 5, 11. Well, we'll get to it later. I'll let you think about it. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. So rewards won't all be the same. Great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. Now remember, this is not for the sake of works. I'm not preaching this so you'll do more and do more and do more to get more. No, what you want to do is, Lord, I want to do everything that you put in my hands. I want to do everything that you put in my past. I'm not doing this for reward's sake. I'm doing it because I want to do it for you. Then if you reward me, that's entirely up to you. I don't have reward on my mind of the equation 
salvation. Well, I'll do this and I'll do this and then God will be born. Myself, I don't even think of such things. Do you? I don't even think about me getting a reward in heaven. What in the world have I done anyhow? I, if I get the grace of God and the mercy of God and God loves me and God saves me and God fills me with the Holy Ghost, that's enough reward as far as I'm concerned, but it's not as far as He's concerned. You see, that shows the difference in the way we look at it and the way he looks at it. Now notice again, rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. For so persecuted they the prophets. So you being persecuted for the sake of the word of God brings you into the state of the identification of the prophets being persecuted in the Old Testament. Luke 6, 22, blessed are ye when men shall hate you, when they shall separate you from their company and shall reproach you and cast your name out as evil for the son of man's sake. Listen to this. Rejoice. Rejoice. In that day and leap. How long has it been since some of y'all leaped? So long you don't know how to remember how to do it, huh? How about Brother Keith? How long has it been since you leaped in big long legs of yours? Well, this is what Jesus himself said do. Whenever they will hate you and separate you from their company, then rejoice in that day and leap for joy. For behold, your reward is great in heaven. Now, you're not doing it to get a great reward, but this is the way he looks at it, that when you are identified in shame and reproach and dishonor for his sake, he adds that to your account in heaven. Can you imagine the things that you and I do in life for the people of God and even for other people, that there is books that's being held there and it is added, everything that we do, it is added to our account insomuch that Jesus said, if you would give some somebody a cup of cold water in the name of a disciple that you will not lose your reward just a cup of a cold water reaching out to someone and doing now remember not for the sake of reward you're doing it because you have the implanted impregnated nature of God himself in you and you want to do it because it's him and you wanting to reach out to others Look, friends, he made his son to shine this morning on the majority of the world, which is absolute agnostics, infidels, and unbelievers. He will send rain. He will send sunshine. He will send his abundant mercy and grace upon billions of people that live upon this earth this summer. Most of them will never thank him for it, but he loves humanity. If you and I are born again and we don't love humanity, I question our, our births, much less our brothers and sisters. Well, preach, Brother Donnie. Thank you, Brother Donnie. I'm going to. I'm with you, Brother Donnie. Well, I'm glad you are, Brother Donnie. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven, for in like manner did their fathers unto their prophets. Verse 35. But love your enemies and treat them bad and get on Facebook and run them down and be sure and let everybody know how. Oh, that's the modern version. I'm sorry. But love your enemies and do good and lend. Hope for nothing again. And your reward shall be great. And you shall be the children of the highest. For he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. <laughs> we got some folks in our ranks can't even be kind to the kind. Good to the good. 
must say it's good to the evil. I'll tell you, friends, somebody, we're, we're, we're going, folks are going to wind up at the White Throne Judgment sources of God in heaven. Think we're going in because we can quote a few quotes? Think we're going in because we believe God sent a prophet? That's not going to get you in the gates. Notice 1 Corinthians 3, 8. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. You imagine Brother Branham having meetings around and going into these cities and people getting saved and people getting delivered and then him getting up close to the end of the services and saying, now, you know, God's done this and God's done that and God's done that. And the great day of judgment when we stand before the Lord for rewards, he said, God's going to give the rewards for these men to these preachers out here. Because they have prayed and they have labored and they have done this and that and the other. He said, so these meetings could be this way. Now, in our mind, we're saying, oh, Brother Branham this and Brother Branham that. That ain't the way God looked at it. Brother Branham will be rewarded, no doubt for it. But it wasn't just him. Praise the Lord. Look, friend, I do not bring these services in, in my briefcase. Okay? I don't bring this, and I'm not the one who controls the flow of the Spirit of God and the singing. I'm not the one who controls the anointing the way it moves. You all have a great lot to deal with that. It's not just me. It's not just Brother Louie. It's not just the singer. So you understand that people are delivered and set free and healed and whatever more. So, oh, Brother Donnie is such a great preacher. Oh, Brother Louie is such a great song leader. It's not just me. It's not just Brother Louie. It's not just the musicians. It's you and you and you you and you and when the rewards are handed out that day that somebody came here tonight and got delivered and set free it's like praise God brother don't he prayed for me and I got healed but if you hadn't brought your lick of fire it might have made the difference of the breakthrough if I'd have had to done it on my own or brother Lewis had to done it on his own it would have been a whole lot different and when God hands out the rewards guess what you'll be standing there with me and God said that person that was healed that night it was your faith actually brother Donnie prayed for him it was your faith that done it <laughs> Woo! praise God notice let me go a little farther 1 Corinthians 3.10 According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I've laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, now listen, so Paul is telling us that there would be people that would come and take earthly substance and lay on the foundation of Jesus Christ. So here's the foundation, Jesus Christ, the word. And they would try to make this building out of gold and wood and hay and stubble and personalities and this and that and the other. My, my, every man's work shall be made manifest for the day shall declare it because it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. And if any man's work abide which he hath built thereon, he shall receive a reward. So my ministry, one day I will stand before God and give an account of it. If the work that I have done, if I have built upon me, 
If I have built upon my personality, my gift, this, that, the other, then that will never pass the test of the fire of God. But if I have tried with all of my heart and all of my mistakes and all of my human frailty to lay upon the foundation that Paul laid, more of the word, more of the word, more of the word, more of the word, then when my work is tried by fire, my work will stand the fire. And I will be rewarded accordingly. Praise the Lord. And so will you. Notice if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. So a person can suffer loss. Oh, don't you remember Brother Random's brother by the name of Howard? Howard, one that was called to be a minister. Yet Howard got with the wrong crowd. Got married and so forth. Whatever that means when he said it that way. Got messed up. I seen daddy go first, he said. And then I seen dad mark Howard's grave. And I knew it wouldn't be long. And he said, before Howard went, I went to him. Prayed with him. Talked with him. He said, Bill... I hope and I see him. Whenever I go, I want Brother Neville and them to sing. He'll understand and say, well done. He said, I hope, Bill, when I see him, he'll be able to look at me and say, I understand. And say, well done. How does all that work? I don't have a clue. A man called to be a preacher? A man called to be part of, no doubt, the last day message? But yet God under the wrong influence and become so affected, somehow messed up in his life that Brother Ram felt like it would render a disqualification and maybe God having to cut the man's life short. And yet Brother Ram said, he'll sing that song there and he said, I believe when I see him that day when I come up to him to shake his hand, he'll look at me and say, Bill, he understood. Now what could the man have been? What could the man have done? He will suffer loss, a dispensation, a portion of the gospel being committed to him. But you see, God severs reward from seed. You think about it. What reward will Adam have? What reward will Samson have? Will Saul have? What did Adam do? Throw the whole entire human race into debauchery and sin and filth and death. What did Adam do? You imagine walking before God. Oh God, I, I got saved. God, I got the Holy Ghost after that. Adam can't say that. Everything from that time on went downhill. Everybody started dying. Everything started suffering. What reward will Adam have? Even when their boys were born, they taught them wrong. You remember I preached that message two years ago. My father taught me wrong and taught them that it was the fruit of the tree to try to protect his wife. And yet the prophet said when Abel got ready to come before God, God revealed to Abel it was a blood sacrifice. What reward will Adam have? 
But whether or not you like this and whether or not you can comprehend it, Adam was a son with or without reward. Praise God. You imagine Brother Terry how he survived. You imagine the mental oppression. You imagine all the things that the man had to deal with after the fall. What was it that kept him sane? What was it that kept the man from losing his mind? He would have to point back to that little innocent lamb that God threw the skin out from behind the bushes that day and say, put it on, son. Put it on and come out. We don't have no record of any great thing that he ever done from that point on. But he had to believe by faith that God forgive him. Amen. God didn't give him a second chance to go out and live in another Eden. God didn't give him a second chance to go out and say, God, I'm sorry. Please let me do it over again. God, there was no second chance. But I'll tell you one thing, whether or not you like it there in that millennium, I'm going to walk up to him hand in hand. I'm going to grab a hold of his hand and put my arm around him and say, God bless you, Adam. Nice to meet you. I preached about you for decades. I'm glad to see you here. I felt like you'd be here. I just knew you'd be here. But I'm glad to see you, Adam. How are you? Praise be to God. How will Adam be there? The same way you will be, Grace. How are you going to be there? The grace of God. Can I read you a few more verses here? 1 Corinthians 9, 16, Brother Daniel. Although I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. What is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge. That I abuse not my power in the gospel. Revelation 22 and 12. And we'll change and go a different direction, Lord willing, in the morning. And behold, Jesus speaking. I come quickly. And my reward is with me. Notice now, this is the rapture call. Behold, I come quickly. And my reward is with me. To give every man... According as his work shall be. Musicians, play with all your hearts. Singers, sing with all your hearts. Prayer warriors, pray with all your hearts. Whatever God has called you to do, do with all your heart. Mamas, be good mamas. Daddies, be good daddies. With all your hearts. Preachers, be sincere, genuine, surrendered man. I'm not great like so-and-so. You don't want to be like so-and-so. You want to be exactly what God made you. Be exactly what God made you. Do it with all the fervency of heart, and God will have a reward for you in heaven. If you try to be like somebody else, God's going to judge you for being an impersonator. God don't want you preaching like me. God don't want you preaching like Brother Daryl or Brother Terry or somebody else. Be what God has made you. If God had made me to be a preacher to preach three or four times a month, I'd rather be that and be in the will of God than the call. Hey, brother, can I come preach for you? Hey, brother, I'm passing through your area. Can I come preach for you? Hey, bro, you mean preachers do that, brother Donnie? Yeah, they do me that way. Whatever come to me fit and led of the Lord to get a man to preach for me. Well, some of you didn't like that, did you? That's all right. Well, come on, saints. 
I'd rather go three or four times a year and be led of the Spirit of God than say, well, I'm not preaching as much as so-and-so. I want my name to be out there. I don't want my name to be anywhere except in the Lamb's Book of Life. Generally, anybody that's wanting that probably ain't called in the first place. Praise God. Oh, children. I hope and pray none of us will have to stand before the Lord. Let's read the scripture again in Revelation 20 and we'll open with it in the morning. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. It's an amazing what the words and the appearance of a judge's face can do to those in the courtroom. You've heard me tell the story and it just comes to my heart to tell it to you again. Well, my mom and daddy passed, mama first and then daddy, and I was the executor of the will and I had to go before the judge there in Kentucky. They told me to be there at a certain, certain time. Well, I never had been to court before, so I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. I just there. I'm always early wherever I go, so... I was there earlier than what they told me to be there. Little did I realize I was going to have to be there until he ran me down in the docket, wherever that was. So I heard all kinds of stuff. I heard all kinds of deals. I just thought it would be me and the judge. I didn't realize it's going to be like the white throne. Everybody's going to hear everything you've done. So I sat there and I sat there and I'm getting more nervous because I've seen this judge rake these people over the coal. You ain't paid child support. You is public intoxication. You done this and that and the other 30 days in jail. They've done, oh, I thought, oh my Lord. I hadn't even done anything. I hadn't even done anything, but I was getting scared. Then he calls my mom and dad's name and I woke up. I woke up to where he's at. He looks at the paper, said, you asked your mother and father, said, yes, sir. Said, I'm really sorry to hear that. <sighs> Isn't it amazing? Same man, same chair, but the case was different. Praise God. Praise God, the case was different. So when we walked before him, Brother Terry, it's not what your hair. I, I love the way you comb your hair. That is so neat. Your hair, all oh, that is so. Where, where'd you get that 316 shirt? That is really nice. Them Snickers is cool, too. Well, I've read. No. We won't walk up to him in this harsh, irritable temperament about him. But you imagine seeing him, the smile on his face. This rainbow around his throne. The light emanating from his being, reflecting through these seven colors, just bouncing off the glory walls. Praise God. With his arms outstretched. Come, my darling. Come, my sweetheart. Are you hungry? I said I wouldn't eat the vine and drink no more with you until I drink it with you. No, my Father's kingdom. This day, this scripture... It's fulfilled. Your trials are over. Angels seat them. And here he comes. And you look at him and say, Oh God. 
It just takes each person's turn. Maybe he reaches down and get his robe and just don't cry. It's okay. Jesus takes his arms. Jesus was arms and hands. Jesus just kind of pulls you over and lays you in his chest, his breast. It's over now. It's over. Don't cry no more, child. You've made it home. You've made it home. Right down on the very last seat, on the very end of the table, I'm going to be. I'll have to wait till all y'all get him. And then he'll come down. And I'll sit there waiting, you know. Oh, Jesus. I've heard your voice. Of, oh, I can't wait. I can. Praise God. He's, he's coming. He's coming. I can see him out of my spiritual peripheral vision. He's coming. Finally, I feel his presence as he walks right around near me. He talks to Carol first and then lays his hand over on my shoulder. Donnie, whatever my word name is. And I say, Master. Oh, Jesus. You're faithful to me. You stood for me. I chose you for some hard tasks. But I knew you could do it. There's times you felt so alone. There's times you even questioned me. You question me why I had you to do it instead of some of your buddies. But do you understand now? I understand more clearly. I'm sorry. That's okay. The words I want to say to you are, well done. My good and faithful servant. But Jesus, I've never, I've never done nothing in life. I'd, I always made so many mistakes and I, I just felt so, so inadequate. And Lord, I liked ability, I liked intellect, I liked, I liked so many things. But everything that I gave you to do, you took and used it with all your heart. Are you hungry? You're ready to eat. Yes, Lord. Now I might be the last one on that table. He reaches down. It's okay, Donnie. It's over. You remember that time I, I spoke to you and you was driving across the Wolf Creek table? I remember it, Lord. I was coming home from the meetings and I felt your presence come in the back of the car. And I got so scared I couldn't even drive. And I pulled the car over on the side of the road and I sat there and shook like a leaf of the car. You remember what I told you? I have ordained you before the foundation of the world to preach my truth. And what's amazing was, I didn't believe in ordination at that time. But he did. I didn't believe in predestination, but he did. Now, Donnie, that voice has a body. Don't cry no more. Jesus, could you send your just a minute? 
Have you got time? How much time you want? I'm yours. Could I lay my head over just on? Sure. Come here. Oh, Jesus. Friends, forget rewards. <laughs> to me, that's enough. Don't you love him? Remember the dream Brother Branham had when he saw the rewards? He was standing there with his wife. He said they called his brother's name and he'd go up and say, I know him. I know that brother. He said, Oh, I know that brother. He said, yeah. So he compared, he said, told the different things. He said, into the joy of the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. He said, I said, shout and pray, God. And they called him, Oh, I know that brother. Praise God. And he said, William Branham, he said, I thought, I'd never have to walk that way. One day each of you will have to walk that way. But you won't be afraid. You'll not be looking up at this face right here that when the, when the earth looked at it, the earth had spasms. When the heavens looked at it, the earth shook and the heavens shook. And the atmosphere, the stratosphere, who knows what it was, and the element of it just whoosh, disappeared and was not even found anymore. But you'll walk up into this welcome, most beloved, precious face that you have ever seen. And the most wonderful voice you have ever heard. And you'll probably recognize, that's the voice that called me when I was lost. That's the voice that dealt with me. Oh, I just wish we could go tonight. Forget church tomorrow. Forget summer vacation. Forget Disney cruises. <laughs> let's, let's go on a cruise, all right. Let's go on a cruise. Let's pray together. Oh, Master. I know to some as they would hear this, Lord, it's no more than stories and just an old man's dream. But Father, many of us believed this when we were teenagers. We was looking for you when we was in our 20s. And we still are in our 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s. But it's sweeter now than it was then. And it's closer now, Lord. Father, I pray if there's one under the sound of my voice. One that will go back and archive this service or one that's streamed. And if they're not ready, God help them. Lord, if it's a preacher, if it's a deacon, a trustee, an evangelist, whoever it is, preachers ain't exempt from backsliding. Preachers ain't exempt from needing repentance in their lives. Help each of us, God, from the pulpit to the back door to Finland, to Switzerland, to Austria, to Australia, to New Zealand, to Canada, wherever we are, Lord. Help us, Lord Jesus. May we pass from death unto life. May we escape condemnation or judgment. Lord Jesus, thank you for making a way of atonement. We love you with all of our hearts. Thank you, Father. Harry, can you sing that song?
forced at you somewhere earlier. Now listen to the words very carefully. Really let them speak to your heart. This is why you'll be able to stand there that day and your knees won't knock and you won't be biting your bottom lip and you won't be shaking and your eyes dancing back and forth and quivering and moving about. No. We will stand there with boldness because we are Esther and he reached out his scepter to us. We are accepted by the king. I lift my heart. I came so far yes, Lord. from where I was to where you are. Yes, Lord. The bitter tears, oh, the lonely aches, the many ways a heart. There was no hill too steep for me to climb, no road too long or hard to make you mine. I gave all I had to give, and it was worth the cost to say I love you. From an old rugged cross, I took your guilt. Hallelujah! I bore your shame. I bore your shame. I would do Amen, Lord. it all again. My open arms reached out. To pull you in to my love's embrace. It's been spoken in a thousand different ways. Yet the cross said more than words could ever say.
you tonight Lord God thank you Lord for paying our price so we'll not see eyes of fire a face full of temper and wrath but eyes of mercy a look of forgiveness a look of pardon thank you Lord Jesus a look similar to the one the prodigal saw that day when he started back home. And though it was contrary to custom, his father ran to where he was. Praise God. He did not see a vindictive look. He did not see a look to get even or revenge. He saw a look of mercy and pardon and forgiveness. <coughs> Praise God. Oh, friends, if you're not where you need to be tonight with the Lord, you've gone cold, you've got things in your life that need to be fixed, look in his eyes while he's smiling. Look tonight while there's mercy there. God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. God, I, I want to make this right or that right. Lord, I'm not where I need to be. I need to renew my fellowship do it while the smile is still on his face. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. There'll be no one kissing him at the white throne. They will not be allowed. Kissing comes in the time of mercy. Remember, it was that that the woman did that day when she bowed before him. And she brought the precious ointment and placed upon his feet. Tears of repentance flowed from her eyes. She took her beautiful long hair and used them as a towel and kissed his feet and transferred the filth of the dirt and the animals on the streets though it was now on her face so he was bearing her shame and she was bearing his praise God then Jesus turned and said to Simon your Lord Jesus thank you Lord Jesus Oh, 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 we love you, Lord. As far as our past, there'll be people with such wretched passes that we almost think to, couldn't be forgiven. But they'll stand before you that day with not even a record that one thing evil ever existed. Because the mercy of the grace of God is so powerful. Thank you, Lord. We worship you tonight, Jesus. Thank you, blessed God. Thank you, blessed God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Can we just worship him a little?
Say what's on your heart there, Harry. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I wish somebody would just help me. Help me love him. Oh, I can do it without you. But he don't want to just hear my voice. He wants to hear yours. He don't want to just see my hands up. He wants to see yours. Yes, Lord. Feel your heart Oh, Lord Jesus. I love you. This love is I bless you. I bless you, Lord. It's more than I can I worship Hallelujah. I rest in Oh God, thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The more I seek you. Yes, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, the more I find you. Sing it together now, saints. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The more I find you, oh Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, the more you hear. to pray before we go again for Brother Bill Yonks have been having some issues today. Brother Lloyd probably made the request known, but Brother J.D. come around and told me before I came out that his enzymes had changed drastically since the prayer request had been made <clears throat> at the early part of the service. So they was taking him to, to the med center to do an emergency cath. So we want to pray for our brother right now if we can. Lord Jesus, we ask you, dear God, for your mercy, Lord, for Brother Bill Yonks. You see, Heavenly Father, what's going on with him. 
Lord, the last news that we got over an hour, hour and a half old. So, Lord, I'm sure that it could have changed between then and now. But, Father, we pray your mercy to our brother God that you would help him. Lord, going to, to the hospital earlier today and them thinking he was going to be all right. And yet, Lord, it, it shows us the, the condition of the world. Going to move him, Lord, to the med center, but there wasn't even a room available. So many sick people been waiting, Lord, for hours to be able to find a room. Oh, come, Lord Jesus. Deliver us from this world, Father. Lord, we pray for your mercy to our brother, oh God. In the name of Jesus, may you go right there now, maybe right in the middle of the procedure right now. We don't know, but Father, we ask for your mercy that you'd be with him, Lord. Help him, Father, I pray. In the name of the Lord Jesus, we ask it. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. How many can say it's been good to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we'll see you in the morning. God bless you. Let's come expecting the Lord to speak to us again. God bless you, Brother West. We're such a blessed people. We're so fortunate. How many people in this world can say they have as accurate a depiction of their God as we get on a regular basis? How many people are as blessed to have this as the people who had this last day message revealed to them? To have servants of God that have the integrity to preach the truth regardless of what the consequences might bring. We're so fortunate and so blessed. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, for you to be unfolded in front of us is the very picture of grace, mercy, and forgiveness, Lord. Yes, you're the coming judge to a world that has rejected you that continues to spit on you and continues to try to keep you on the cross, Lord. But Lord, you reveal yourself to us line upon line, word upon word. Service after service, Lord, we're so blessed. We have no way to thank you adequately. Lord, we love you with all of our heart. We're so grateful. We long, Lord, for the day where we'll be together once and for all. We long for that day. Lord Jesus, when you open your heart to us and you reveal what we have in store for us, it's, it's very hard to bear, Lord. It's very hard to stay here in this world. And we call to you. We, we plead with you to come quickly. Lord, not because we want anybody shut out, but because we just long for you so much. You've become so real before us. Lord Jesus, when, when, we, when you're finally in our sight, Lord, Eternity won't be long enough. Oh, Lord, we love you with all of our heart. I ask you to keep us safe until we can come back together again in your presence and worship you. Put it in our hearts, Lord, before we even come through the doors to give you everything that we can to be as honest with you and as open in our heart as we can when we come before the, the light of this gospel, Lord, 
We've got to do it with open hearts so that you can, you can look down deep inside of us and help us and heal us and deal with our, our problems, our troubles, and even our physical afflictions, Lord. We trust you. We love you. We long for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, saints. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. That's the way it's got to be. That's the way it's got to be.